Hello everybody, uh, this is Ryan Smith. Welcome to our Threadcast for uh, Common Thread Church. Um, trying something new out today. We've made kind of a switch in how we're doing our communication and we're using a new system. And this podcast is being recorded through it. And, but also, I think we're going to be doing this kind of as a sermon slide as well. So there'll be you can watch this as an audio uh, or you can listen to it as an audio. Uh, like a regular podcast, or you can view it um, in kind of a digital form or a video form with uh, some slides that go with it as well on our, our Faith Life page as well. So we're going to see how this goes. Um, I don't know. Um, it's just kind of today's kind of a practice one, if you will. But we are in a, mir- in a series um, conversation where we're walking through the book of Romans in, in, in the Bible. Um, but we're kind of going through it. We're going through it backwards. Um so instead of starting in chapter 1, we start in chapter 16. And the reason we're doing this is that in chapters 1 through 11, Paul lays out the theology of kind of Jesus' new church, his, his kingdom that he's establishing. Um, but in chapters 12 through 16, um, we get kind of the why, why we need this theology or, or what we're referring to as lived theology, this idea of, of what it actually means to live, to walk, to breathe as a Jesus follower. And so the entire theme throughout the book um, of Romans for Paul uh, on how to live like a Jesus follower is this concept of replacing power and privilege with peace. Um, Remember, the biggest empire and army to ever walk um, the earth is this Roman Empire. And as always, um, throughout any part of time, there's always a discussion on, on who rules and and the world's answer has always been the people in power and privilege are the ones who who rule. And so those with power and privilege, they run the show. And if you wanted to dethrone them, then you need to have more power and privilege than those that already do, right? Um, and so it's this vicious cycle. But Jesus comes along and says, no more. It's not working. It never has. And I have a new way. And so um, this Romans chapter 13, the chapter that we're in today, um, kind of addresses this. What is this going to look like, this new way? And and what was so exciting is <clears throat> this new way, when it was presented back then, it was enticing, it was infectious, and, and people loved to hear this message. And so they started dedicating themselves to um, this new kingdom, this new way of living. As we talked about earlier, um, before there was the title Christians, if you will, um, they, they called themselves the way. And so um, to dedicate yourself to the way, um, you literally had to leave something, right? And, and, and you're leaving something, so you're going to something. And so the question is, what am I going to? So if you were Jewish back then, you're leaving the temple, synagogue, all the life that revolves around that, and you're entering into something. If you're a Gentile, you're maybe leaving pagan temples, pagan religions, um, and even governments, you know, because back then Caesar considered himself God or appointed by God. And so, so if you were committing to the way, you were leaving something. But if you were leaving something, you wanted to know what you were going going toward what you what you were coming a part of and so um, this was the concept of church this is what the church was um, it was what I I'm leaving this one entity and I'm going to this thing um, that we now call church and so it was the coming together uh, uh, people dedicating their lives and as you can imagine when you dedicate your life to something you want to know about it what am I joining what's their message what's um, how are we going to act what are we going to look like what's going to be our team uniform if you will 
And, um, and, and for some, it was really the question of how is our team going to take over those in power and privilege? And so chapter 13 is kind of Paul addressing this and, and kind of answering their questions. And they kind of, um, the, you know, there's kind of this idea that we, we're going to do it the normal way. And Paul says, no, no, we're not going to do that. So what I want to do is I want to read through that first section, verses 1 through 7, and kind of let us hear um, what's what's being addressed here and kind of talk through it. So, so let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your God. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And so this passage here, um, Romans 13, 1 through 7, um, is possibly one of the most misused, overly misused passages out there, right? Um, And it's usually misused by people in authority. And so um, you have to think, you know, when you hear the word policeman, um, what, what, what do you hear? What do you think about? You know, for me, I grew up where policemen were always safe individuals, people that if you needed something, you always went to. But there's a lot of people who grew up um, mistrusting policemen, right? People that, that, that policemen were people that, that could hurt you or um, take advantage of you or take things away from you, right? The same is with government or when you hear of politics, or whatever. When you hear these types of concepts, um, it, it, it goes with, with your background and as to what you hear when you hear those words. Um, and so this passage, you know, can barely, can, can be misused, especially by people in authority. You know, think about, um, uh, you know, this passage was used like with, with white people, uh, during apartheid in, in the, uh, the South African regime, right? This idea that, that don't fight against what we're doing. Or uh, the Church of Germany used this passage during the time of Hitler, and that's that's what allowed the Church of Germany to join into what Hitler was doing because they could read this passage and read into it. Or you think about today in, in today's politics, especially here in the United States, um, when your party is in power, um, you use this passage that we're not supposed to rebel, we're not supposed to fight against them, right? Um, but what's interesting about this, you know, especially here in the United States. Um, we use this passage when we want to, and 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 when the, when the the party that's in power that we don't like or or whatever, we forget this passage, right? Um, or you know, it's one thing um, we're called to. We use this passage to say we need to fall in line with what the government's doing, but then when we talk about our heritage and we talk about King George and and the idea of, of the English and, and that when we we had the revolution, that it was okay for us to do that, right? And so so we take this passage. And we use it back and forth and use it in ways that, that makes it easy for us. And, and sometimes we misuse this passage, right? And so 
context, context, context is always important to know. Um, and the idea of context is the idea is what was going on when the writer wrote this book, um, wrote these words. What did the original hear? Um, what did they hear? Uh, what was going on for them, and how did they apply it? You know, you have to ask those questions. And in Romans, we're going to keep context. The concept of context is going to keep coming up over and over, and we're going to discuss what that means. And so you need to remember that, that this was written to church homes, homes that or churches that met in homes um, in Rome, uh, Rome, Italy, during the time of the Roman Empire. Um, and you need to understand that, that, that during this time, Nero, Nero was in charge of Rome. And so um, this, there was all kind of, there was a time, this was a time of injustice and imperial arrogance where those in power took control of their power and they made sure that they always stayed in power and that they were blessed with money and with slaves and whatever they wanted, they always got in return and they kept their friends in power as well. And those that were not part of uh, the imperial um, upper echelon, if you will, they are always keeping at the lower and they're keeping as slaves and they were, they were kept there. And so there was this, this, this concept that was going on. Now you need to understand um, persecution hadn't started yet for Christians um, by Nero, but um, later on in, in his um, in his ruling, uh, Christians become cruelly, cruelly um, tormented, beaten, uh, persecuted, literally killed um, in, in horrific ways. But at the at the the writing of this, that hasn't started just. Yet, but that doesn't mean the situation is good. That you know, um, because some people read this context, this 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 paragraph, if you will, and think, man, Paul just wasn't thinking about what he was thinking because he wouldn't know what it means to stand up against governments and that kind of stuff. But but, but Paul was in the midst of of the the most amazing, powerful government ever to rule the world with the most uh, prolific army ever, and the way that they created um, their quote unquote Pax Romana, their 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 Roman peace. Um, was through power and might and privilege and through beating those down. And so this is what he lived through. This is what he experienced. And so this is what's going on. The other thing, they talk about taxes. And you need to understand, you know, these aren't our typical taxes, especially for um, someone who was not a, a Roman citizen. You know, there was what they called direct taxes and indirect taxes. And direct taxes were the taxes that you paid, everybody paid. But then the indirect taxes were could change at, at, at a whim as to who was ruling, who was over that area. And and um, they were so confining that it, that some people say that that a, a normal person that their income that ninety percent of their income was going towards these direct and indirect taxes, and indirect taxes were um, caused a lot of uh, riots to begin. And actually, when Nero took um, control and began his reign, he promised that he was going to get rid of indirect taxes. And as you can imagine, he never fulfilled that promise. And so. Um, so this is what's going on at the time of the writing of this. This is what they're experiencing. And so, um, you know, the the writers are saying, hey, uh, or, or the, the new people to, to God's kingdom are saying, hey, how are we going to take over? How are we going to take over those with power and privilege? And they say, well, we need to, you know, we need to rebel. We need to fight against them and, and or we need to not pay taxes, right? And so um, you need to understand what this passage is not. Um, and we need to make sure that we understand this as we move forward. This passage is not saying that everyone in power was placed there by God. I want you to hear that. 
um, this isn't an endorsement of every single ruler, every single governor, every single mayor, every single president is there by God's power. Um, what I think this is, what I interpret this is, this is this is not an endorsement of a specific government, but an endorsement of government. The idea that there is a need for government. Um, and so I think that's something we need to look at as we dive deeper into this. Um, so what is this? What What is this passage about? And I want to put to you that this passage is about, it's not about turning the other cheek in the sense of being a, a wimp or being a, a whipping boy or whatever the mean. Because Jesus has always been about fighting. Jesus has always been about presenting a way um, that is unique and, and, and is rebellious and, and is replacing uh, the kingdom that is present now with his eternal kingdom. But... Jesus has always said, we're not going to do it the way the world has always done it. He presents a third way, if you will. And he's simply saying that you can't beat someone at their own game. You know, So the, the cycle has always been those with power and privilege are beaten by those with who can gain more power and privilege. And so then they come into power, and so they have power and privilege. And, and the way to do it is you, is you get more votes or you get a bigger army, whatever it might be. But it's always done through this cycle. And... and God comes in and brings his son and says, a new era has begun. A new era is breaking in. And we're not going to keep that cycle up. We're not going to replace it with power and privilege again. It's not just going to be my power and privilege. You know, like today in, in, the, in the United States politic, political world, this idea is that when the Republicans are taking place, then the Dem- Democrats come over, they take over the Senate and the House, and, and so now we're in power. And then the Republicans say, well, you wait another two, four more years, and then we're going to take it. You know, it's, it's this cycle of who can get the most points. It's always about that. And Jesus comes along and says, that's not what it's about. So what is it about? And, and it comes back to the idea that we are going to replace power and privilege, but not with more power and privilege. We're replacing it with this concept of peace. I want to read this next part. This is where he begins to answer. So here's what we're going to do, people. This is what our kingdom is going to look like. He says, let no debt remain outstanding. Accept the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And so it begins by saying, you know, hey, if, if you have debts out there, if there's, we're, we're, this isn't, we're not um, doing this, this idea of, of taking money away from the government. We're not doing this overthrow, this kind of stuff. You know, we want to be good citizens. We want to be people. Um, we don't want to be known as troublemakers um, to to the existing government because we, we want our gospel message to, to take over. And so our message is this concept we do owe love. And then he goes on, he says this, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be. He says, he says all those things, they're summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on, we're going to define this concept. He says, love does no harm 
to a neighbor. And as we've read um, in other parts of the gospel and we've had the conversation about who our neighbor is, we understand that neighbor is not just someone we like. Neighbor is someone that is in our area. Neighbor could be an enemy. That this concept of love, a neighbor, is not just a specific, you know, technical my neighbor that lives next door to me, but the concept of neighbor is the people that we come in contact with. And so he says, this concept of love your neighbor means that we are not wanting to harm them. We are not um, continuing the vicious cycle of power, taking over power with power, right? Um, the, the, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It says, to do these things, we are to love. Now, man, so the the, the concept here, all you need is love, right? Um and you're replacing power and privilege um, with peace through love. So love is going to be the agent that drives peace. That we're we're replacing it with this concept of peace. Now, this love that they're talking about this way, this is going to be our our weapon. That love is this concept that we live attractive lives. That the way we're going to take over uh, the power and privilege. Is through how we live, literally, um, and not by the power of the might that we swing. Um, now, how do you live this out, man? This is ridiculous, right? I, I mean, if you think about the Roman Empire and, and Paul saying, Jesus saying, hey, we're going to replace this kingdom, the Roman Empire, um, not with chariots, not with horses, not with, with shields and stones and swords and spears and, and the mighty army. We're going to replace it with love. And you're like, yeah, that is stupid. You know, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't work, right? Um, and so when they're talking about love, you know, you have to think, what kind of love are they talking about? Um, what is it that, that this love, what's so unique about this love that's going to actually do this, that's going to replace power and privilege? And so they understood love. Um, you know, they, you know, I love hamburgers, right? I love, I love cheese. I love, I love sunny days, right? There's that concept of this love that's just kind of, I, I use it flippantly. Um, so they had that concept of love. But then also there was the concept of lust, right? They understood that I love um, this idea of things that, that make me um, physically feel good. I love the concept of, of these, these in my inner flesh craving for sexual desires, right? There's that type of love, Um but deeper than that, there's this 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 love that drives. I, I love myself, and whatever makes me happy, whatever is my rights, whatever does good for me, whatever protects me, that is that is what I love most. Is I do those things that make me happy, right? Um, and that can be a concept that is so vast, um, but drives. That's the love that we understand. Is that it, it's good love if it makes me feel good. And that's truly the love that the world knows. But Paul goes on and he says, this love that we're talking about, it's not that love. And if you've had any study um, um, in, in, in Bible study, you know, and you hear the, the Greek word for love, um, there's, there's like four or five words that they use for love. And when they write the word love in this passage, they use one specific word. And we'll talk about it. It's this concept of, of agape. And he goes on, I'm going to read a little bit more here. He goes on to to finish off this passage. He says, And do this, understanding the present time, 
The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And so he says, hey, this kingdom, this kingdom that we're talking about, um, just so you know, this kingdom is not one of these eternal kingdoms that we're talking about. We're not just talking about, hey, um, God's kingdom is going to come once you die and then you're going to heaven, right? Um, but he says, what we're talking about is now. It's this present time. The hour is now. Wake up from your slumber. Don't just put off being who you're supposed to be and, and, and hope that one day down the road you're going to be fine. But now wake up because today is the day. that This is what we're talking about. It begins now. And then he says in verse 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So these deeds of darkness, what are they? And this armor of light, what is it? And he kind of, he kind of briefly describes it here in verse 13. He says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. And so what you see here is this list is not a specific list. It's, this is really describing, you know, it, at, at night, um, you know, bad things happen. They, the, you know, the, the, they get that. They, they grasp that concept. But, but, but to be honest, right, bad things can happen. You can do bad things in the daytime, right? So this isn't a literal night and day perspective, but it is this concept of light and darkness. And, and all these, these evil things, carousing, drunkenness, sexual morality, debauchery, dissension and jealousy. Sometimes we use this passage and other passages like this to say, oh, look, sex is wrong or, or drunkenness is wrong and this kind of stuff. And they are, but why? Is it because that you're not supposed to do those things? And But really, if we, we look at other lists, we'll leave some things out like like being jerks or, or being rude or, or, or having hate or, or jealousy in our hearts, right? We don't put those up there. Where, you know, There's some things we say, this is completely wrong. This is what he's really saying is all these things... It's the love of self. Those things are things that you love to do because it makes you feel good. It makes you um, do what you do because you love yourself. He says, that's not what God's kingdom is about anymore. He says, rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And so this references back to the love your neighbor. How do you love your neighbor? You do it through agape love. And agape love is like what Jesus, how Jesus loved the world. It's a self-giving love. It, it allows you to put your self last and to give yourself to people. That, that just like Jesus gave himself to us, that is is the love that will change the world. That is the third way to live. That is the revolution that begins, that fights power and privilege, that we fight power and privilege, not with more power and privilege. We fight power and privilege with the love that gives yourself more than it receives. That's not easy. Um... But that's what changes. That's the revolution that has changed the world. That's what allows people to for this this existence. You know, the Roman Empire is no longer no longer exists, right? Governments come and go, and what they teach um, comes and goes. But this Jesus Kingdom thing, it's still around. And why is it? Because it's something that's totally unique. 
And so what Romans 13 offers us is this idea that we are to be people who replace power and privilege with love. With not just love of self or a lustful kind of love, but a love that is self-giving. And so that's the challenge that I leave with you today. What do you do with this? How do you live this out? And so for us at Common Thread, um, something that drives, you know, what are we doing is we talk about the triangle, the up in and out, that, that if you're a balanced follower of Christ, that you address the up part of your life, the in part of your life, and the out. And for us, the up is our relationship with the divine, with God. The in is, is our relationship with those in our inner circle, those that are like us, so those that are maybe at Common Thread. And then the out are, are those outside of our inner circle, those that are in our community, right? And so, um, so I want to challenge you today. How can you replace power and privilege, privilege in your life through peace, through love? How do you love your neighbor that changes the concept of power and privilege that you exist in in three ways in your life? So first, the up. So how can you love, how can you develop a concept of loving God more in your life? What does that look like for you? Um, and I'm not going to give examples. I want you just to kind of dive into that. Um, and then how do you, how are you going to love people in your inner circle? What's it going to mean for you to be self-giving to people in your inner circle? That could be people in your, in your literal house. Maybe it's family members, or maybe it's people that you come in contact with every day. Maybe it's people at common thread, but how are you going to love, um, agape love those in your inner circle? And then lastly, and maybe more importantly, how are you going to love through the out? How are you going to love your neighbors? How are you going to love your community? But here you need to hear this as well. How are you going to love your enemies? Because this is included in the out. It's not just loving the ones that are easy to love, but love that changes the world is a love that also loves your neighbor and does no harm to them. What does that look like for you? And so I want to leave that with you. Um, and so in our new format that we're doing with Faith Life, um, we can, we're going to have, there's some, a place to have discussions on there. And so I'm going to ask that uh, maybe one of the discussions items will be, you know, how are you going to love in those three areas, the up and out of your life? And maybe that's where we can hear from each other. What is that going to look like? How do we put this into practical terms? Um, and so I hope this has given you something to wrestle with. Uh, that you see that what it means to be a part of God's kingdom is not that we're trying to overthrow, not that we're trying to re- make the president the president that we like or the mayor the mayor that we like or, or even um, the, the laws the way we want it. We are replacing power and privilege through peace, through love, through agape love. What does that look like for you? Hope you have a great day. Grace and peace.